Welcome to Training for Manhood, an ongoing exploration and adventure intended to be fast, fun, and formative for guys who desire to be the best men they can. Young or old, there are always areas for improvement, growth, and maturity. We hope you'll pay attention and put into practice the useful advice you hear on this podcast. But remember, the goal isn't just to listen, but to do what you learn. Welcome to Training for Manhood. All right, welcome back to Training for Manhood. We're doing um, one of those special episodes for the next four weeks. We've got um, a book that we're reading. Uh, we've done three already this year. We did um, a book on manhood, um, uh, Wild at Heart. Uh, we did a book on marriage and family. Uh, we did the meaning of marriage. Um, and then I did a cultural book. Uh, and that was, um, I was this, this is kind of one of those things. I wanted to do the rise and triumph of the modern self. Um, but there's a shorter version uh, that Dr. Um, Carl Truman did, and it's called Strange New World, mm. kind of off a of Brave New World. Um, and so I just did that. So those are the three books that we've done so far. And then the fourth book um, needed to be kind of like a biography or an encouragement or um, just a book that stimulates thought. Um, and I've always wanted to do um, The Ultimate Gift by Jim Stovall. Um, great book, wonderful read. Um, so I found three younger guys um, <laughs> to read the book with me. Um, and, and they all said they read it before <laughs> we're sitting down. Yep, this is true. Hey, it's actually probably a pretty quick read. Yeah, it's right. You, you yeah. could, you could do it real quick. Like, hey, give me, give me a minute. Let me, <laughs> let me read through it real quick. Um, but, uh, I want you guys to, um, introduce yourselves, tell us what age you are and just kind of where you are in life. Um, and yeah, we're, we're starting on the left for those of you who are just listening and we'll go around the table. Um, but Cole, start us off and just kind of Name, yeah. age, where you are in the stage of life. Awesome. Well, Dan, thanks for the invite to be a part of the podcast. Yes. Um, my name is Cole Travis. Um, I'm 27 years old. Um, Great age. It is. Great age. You know, uh, there's not too many songs about it. There's a lot of songs about different ages. Yeah, 22. 22, right? uh, but no 27. <laughs> so maybe someone out there can write one. But um, Maybe yeah. Ethan. Ethan. I... I don't know about y'all, but I'm still feeling 22. So <laughs> good stuff. Good I know stuff. nothing like about. You even brought like the not just the song title, but the, oh man, <laughs> come on! <laughs> I can I can tell what this is going to be the whole time, uh, right? He's dropping T Swift things the whole way through. Actually, that that might be accurate. We'll <laughs> yeah. see. But no, yeah, I'm 27. Been out of college for about five years. Mm-hmm. Married for almost three. Ah. Um, to my wonderful wife Bailey, and uh, been at our church for about five years now. So. It's a good place to be. Awesome. I'm grateful. Awesome. I love it. Uh, my name is Jordan Wicker. Uh, I get the privilege of serving the high school students at our Plano campus. Yeah. I am at the ripe old age of 25 years old. 25. And so uh, even better than 27, some would say, uh, but maybe not as good as 29. But uh, 25 years old. I've been married to my wife. We're coming up on four years. Uh, we have a two-year-old daughter and a one-month-old or two-month-old son. Mm. And so uh, doing all the things, trying to get all of our life figured out, get used to a new normal of not double team coverage, uh, but instead man coverage. And so uh, we're figuring it all out. Uh, and we did make it through the book. So so we're excited it. for it. Names of the kids. So Halston is our two-year-old girl okay. and Hayes is our two-month-old son. Both H's. Both H's. Now, okay. my wife does not feel uh, obligated to name, if we have a third child, a name to start with H. So we'll see what happens. That's a disclaimer. Mm-hmm. It's like, yeah. We can have a third one, but yeah. it may yeah. not be H. We, we, stuck with, we stuck with the P's, but then we changed, but we stuck with the uh, the street names for the boys. There we go. It gets complicated. Yeah. It's just, you know, so good. I'm, I'm glad. Just you're, you're off on a pattern, but you don't have to stick with it. But We're not uh, stuck uh, to it. Yeah. Good. 
Very good. Ethan. Um, I'm Ethan Severin. I'm 29. And let's see, I've been married for two years now. Um, so the oldest of the three of us, but I've been married for the least amount of time. So, And we also have no kids and no kids are on the horizon. We're yeah. just going to keep that wide open. But um, I'm also new to ministry. So I'm the worship leader here in our student ministry. But um, I say new. I've been out of it for six years now. I'm a Wedding singer is my trade no way. by choice. Yeah. Great movie. Yeah, it is a great <laughs> it's movie. About Ethan, actually. And so, yeah, so you now have a very visual picture of what I've been doing for the past half decade or wow. so. Oh, okay. But yeah, the Lord brought us to Prestonwood and kind of dropped this opportunity. And so cool. Um, yeah, eight months did. later, I'm the happiest I've ever been. Yeah. So. Come on. Yeah. Now you and I are going to have to do a um, a separate podcast Let's just on just on in laws. Oh I, yeah. Because I know. Right, yes, you, you do. Yeah, yeah. you married yeah. into a family. With my father-in-law. Right. Well, you know, friends. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Can you really be friends yeah. with Brian? Like, no. <laughs> Let's not stretch that word. There you right. go. Okay. <laughs> That's good. Anyway, okay. So here's our guys. Um, we're talking about the ultimate gift. Uh, the way I wanted to break it down was four episodes. Um, the chapter chapters and the way they're set up is each chapter is kind of a gift, and you'll get what that means where we're going. Um, but uh, but there's twelve gifts, um, and so really we're going to kind of do um, chapters one through five because the first two chapters are kind of our setup, uh, and then we have three gifts, and then the next one's three gifts, three gifts, and then the last one has three gifts, but then there's a couple chapters or one chapter at the end. So that's where we're going to go. Um, let me let me just kind of paint the picture for the book. Um, it is a um, a fictional book. Uh, Jim Stovall. This is not a true story. Story. Uh, some people, ask, you know, Dang. hey, is this really a true story? <laughs> is this kid really getting? Anyway, it's a, fic- uh, a, a fictitious story about a man um, named um, uh, Red Stevens. So Howard Red Stevens. And Red Stevens has an attorney friend um, named um, Theodore J. Hamilton. Uh, and so the story is kind of told through the eyes of this attorney um, because uh, Red Stevens has passed away. Um, but before he passed, he left a series of videos for his grandson. Okay. Great nephew. Yeah. Great nephew. So yes. what, what, great, yeah, great yeah. nephew. Thank you. Um, he, he left in his will some money and some property to his children and to their families. Um, but there's, there's some problems with those people. Um, and you kind of get that at the very beginning. Yeah. He restricts um, even access to those gifts. Exactly. To those yeah. People. Mm-hmm. So, so, you know, he, he, so he sets up the first couple chapters just kind of telling you, Hey, this guy, you know, super, super wealthy, has a ton of money, but his family, um, is not in a sense they're they're not good people. They're not making good decisions. And so he, he gives them a little bit, but he's got a great hope for this great nephew, this Jason Stevens. Um, but He's he understands that Jason was kind of brought up by these people that are his family. And so he's hoping um, that he can help him kind of navigate life better. So he puts him through basically a series of tests mm-hmm. um, to see if he can learn what he calls these gifts. Um, and as he goes through the series of tests, if he passes the test, he gets to go on to the next one. If he doesn't, he gets nothing and, and walks away, mm-hmm. right? So uh, we, we basically kind of pick this up um, in, you know, I think it's – Chapter three, right, is yeah. where um, is where Jason sits down in the attorney's office, and you know um, he he basically says, "Hey, here's you know here's what you have to do," and you know they watch a video, and Red Stevens comes on, right, and these are I don't know if you guys even know that he's putting in like a VHS yes, cassette uh, yes. tape, right? Yeah, you guys all, yeah. Okay. I had to look yeah. up what that was. You <laughs> don't know? even like that's a VHS, don't even lie. man. <laughs> 
a CD? Anyone still know? <laughs> a DVD? Okay. Anyone? Oh, okay. You were jogging the memory now. Yeah. So he, he puts in this, you know, recording and, and, you know, there's, you know, Red Stevens talking to Jason. And, um, and so Jason listens and basically it's like, hey, I, I've got a, you know, something for you to do. Um, and then they basically send him somewhere to do this particular thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and chapter three is called The Gift of Work. And so he sends um, uh, Jason Stevens. Uh, and can I just tell you, being in Texas, right, um, the first time I read this, I did not live in Texas. Mm. Um, and so I didn't really have necessarily an appreciation for what this was going to happen, right? Now I have an appreciation, <laughs> yeah. right, because they sent him to um, Alpine, outside of Alpine, Texas, uh, to a ranch, Mm. Right. And so uh, a ranch outside of Alpine, Texas would be literally probably, you know, tens of thousands of acres. Right. right? I mean, yeah. it's just it would be bigger than right, you know, most states. Yep. Um, and he sends him out to a friend of his. Um, where's his name on here? Where was it? Gus. 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 Yes. Sends him out to, out, right. out to Gus. Right. And he um, Gus teaches him how to work. Mm-hmm. Right. Teaches him about the value and the gift of work. Um, and so he talks a little bit about the story. And then at the end of 30 days, right, um, Jason has to report back, right, what did you learn? And if, you know, Hamilton is satisfied with it, then he gets to move on to the next one. So let's talk about chapter three, the gift of work. When you guys read it, what, what were your thoughts? What were your impressions? What did you take mm-hmm. away from this? Yeah, when I read that, um, a lot came to mind. Uh, in the book, the job that Gus has him do is digging uh, fence posts. Yes. And if you ever worked with a, a fence post digger, that is hard work. Okay, so let's take the let's take the survey now. You have? I have. Cole has? I have as Cole? well. Yes. Ethan? Fence work specifically? Specifically. No. Okay. I have as well. Right. So we've we've the three of us have done a fence post right hole yes. digger. Yes. Right. And in, in the movie, if you watch it, there's a movie that goes along yes. with this. It has four of the twelve gifts and it's as Jordan said earlier, uh, we were talking about it, and he said it's it's kind of got a little bit of cheese factor to oh, it, for right? Sure does. Yeah. <laughs> but it's a sweet. But this is one of the gifts that they actually show in there, mm-hmm. um, and so they use one of the old, right, fence post hole diggers, right, which is kind of like the two pieces of wood. Mm-hmm. You slam them to the ground, yep. right? You squeeze them together. You pull out a very small piece of earth, <laughs> and you repeat it over, right, and you repeat it over yeah, and over not and equal over to the again. Force you think you put in the ground? Oh, not even close. <laughs> and it's, can you imagine where they are, right, in right. Texas, where you're probably digging out rock? I, I will rock. say, um, probably I'd, in the middle of a, a drought. In the middle of a drought, right. I have used a one-man auger. That's a lot That's a lot easier. A lot easier. Oh, my goodness, right? Yep. So if they had written this and he had the one-man <laughs> auger, I'd have been like, he didn't learn how to work. That's The <laughs> yep. auger the, it's, it just drills a big hole in the ground. Yep. Anyway, but that was, yeah, so that uh, that was your first impression was just that particular equipment. Yes. That'll teach you how to work. That was my first impression yep. for sure. Yep. I think uh, the memory of that work will last, but I think your back will remember that yes. <laughs> for a long time as well. That's awesome. Yeah, my, my favorite thing was at the end of the chapter mm-hmm. – uh, whenever uh, Uncle Gus uh, or Gus comes out and he's like, "Hey, uh, we're done," he's, and Jason quickly says, "Hey, I'm not done yet. Oh, uh, I, I have a few more yeah. to finish right. this pile." Uh, and so, seeing the the pride yeah. that he mm-hmm. that he takes in the movie, uh, I don't know how much they encapsulate it in the book, but in the movie, uh, he goes out and he just kind of halfway does it, uh, and Gus comes in and rips all of his fence posts up yep. and mm-hmm. says, "Hey, you, that that's just doing it part way. You actually have to learn how to do the work." Uh, and so then to see at the end where he's like, "Hey, no, like I." I have a few more that I have to finish and begin taking pride right. in that work. You see the change. Uh, yes. Right. Even immediately. Person, right. 
right? And that's what that's what he's looking at. Is right. each one of these is not a gift to teach you how to work. It's to teach you the value, right? Mm-hmm. right as as a human being, right? And so this this takes me back right to Colossians right three when it talks about when you do your work heartily as unto the Lord, right? Not for men, mm-hmm. right? So if if you're digging fence post holes or if you're doing whatever, if you're doing it for the praise of men. Right, and men praise you for doing a half-hearted job. Right, then you'll do a half-hearted job mm-hmm. if men praise. Right. But if God is having you do the work and you're doing it for His glory, right, then you would always do it to the best of your ability. Yeah, mm-hmm. right? and I think that's the principle that they're getting across here is Jason's learned how to do right a good hard day's work, regardless of who's watching, regardless mm-hmm. of how many more he has to do, regardless of you know it's just this is what I've been asked to do. And so I'm going to go out and I'm going to I'm going to give it my whole heart. Yeah, it, it takes you to Colossians three. It takes me back to high school. Uh, whenever <laughs> I was uh, working alongside my dad, and we would uh, professionally clean carpet, and so dragging oh. super heavy vacuum oh. hoses and super hot solution lines up to the third or fourth story of an apartment mm. complex uh, for days. Uh, we would get there at 6 a.m. and then uh, we would leave whenever the tenants would start getting mad that we were being too loud. And then yeah. we'd show up the next morning at 6 a.m. So seeing that yeah. uh, was something that helped me learn, hey, uh, one, that's not what I want to do the rest of my life. <laughs> yeah. um, but also I see the immense amount of value because now I can look back and be proud uh, at uh, the fact that, man, I was able to accomplish way more than I ever thought I could totally. uh, simply by putting my head down and yep. working heartily yep. unto the Lord. So back to Colossians Amen. 3. Yep. Amen. My dad is... First of all, I mean, he's my hero, but he absolutely taught me the value of work. Mm. And um, he's one of those guys who he's kind of got that nerdy vibe. He wears glasses. He sits in an office all day, but he does it. I mean, he gets up at four in the morning and he works until seven at night or later if he's got more to do. And so like when Jared's like, or Jason, excuse me, he's like, no, I'm not done yet. And I was like, that's my dad. That's my dad. Um, Because he's just like... There's more work to be done, and he really instilled that in me to a point to where I don't even – like I know if I haven't finished a job but I'm going to be done with it, I know it's half done. I also in my head was like, this is probably good enough, but you know you haven't finished. Um, Mm -hmm. And so even though it's passable, it's not complete, and that's something that you have to live with. And so even though – like I'm not saying as as I go through the – this book and in uh, these different lessons that you learn, I was like, man, I haven't mastered any of these, but I've been taught the value of it there you go. so that I know where my shortcomings are and yep. where I need to improve. Yep. I'm not as hard a worker as I could be, but I've been like that lesson has been instilled in me to where I can actually identify it. And that's something that it's really interesting that a lot of people don't have. They just don't know. I I think that's something very interesting. Um, I I work at a school, so I work with students. Um, And and for me, I try to help them understand that the work that you're putting into your education, um, a lot of them don't value that as, as you're learning a work ethic that you'll take on later in your life. So if you're willing to take shortcuts now at age 15, mm-hmm. um, it produces in you a character that you're constantly looking for shortcuts yeah. as opposed to, hey, what's the work that needs to be done, right? Mm-hmm. Hey, you know, read this book or do this chapter. Okay, and you, and you do it, mm-hmm. yeah. right? And, and I think that's the concept is, it, you know, I see so many people going into life Right. And everybody's kind of looking for the easy way out. And, and unfortunately, right, then you get social media that comes along for this generation and you get people who are, you know, TikTok famous and they're making millions of dollars because right, people right. want to watch an eight second video. And I'm like, mm-hmm. OK, that <laughs> yeah, that's right. not helping yeah. me make my point that work is important. Right. And, um, it, and but it continues like, hey, if I'm willing to compromise and not do the yeah. hard work here yeah. in 
let's say whenever I'm in school or whenever I'm in college or uh, whenever I have a small assignment that I have to do at my job, if I'm willing to compromise there, then the question becomes you're, you're building this, you're putting votes, you're building a house full of uh, this, this character of who you are. Yeah. So whenever life gets hard, your marriage gets hard, whenever, mm. uh, whenever other things begin to get wow. challenging, where are you willing to compromise? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and so this, this vote of hard work that you do time and time again allows you to be a man of integrity yeah. uh, so that you're not going to be questioning these things. Right. So I like that. Um, is it Matthew seven, whatever is the, um, the parable of the man who builds the house on the rock or on that the sand. Right. Um, I've, I've heard that, um, given as an ethic of work too, like how much mm. easier would it be to build your house on sand versus on rock? Interesting. Yeah. Right. And wow. just kind of that concept of, you know, in, in both houses, right. In the story that Jesus is giving is, you know, one built a house on a sand, one built a house on a rock for, for the first part, right. We're like, okay, you know, what's the, what's the big deal mm-hmm. until the storm comes. Yeah. Right, and I think that's the concept. I'm glad he started with the ethic of work, yeah, yeah, to begin with, right? Because a lot of these other lessons that you have to learn, you're going to have to learn to push through difficult times, yeah. and until the storm comes, until the difficulty of life comes, you don't know if what you've built really is going to last. Yeah, and and so that's why I was glad we started with with you know the the gift of work or the work ethic as the kind of the first principle that he wants mm-hmm. to give Jason. Yeah, I think so too, and I think I love that you mentioned that story because I think the takeaway for a lot of young men who get in the habit of cutting quarters is that they don't understand that the consequences of doing that will only get greater with time. That's right. right. Yeah. It is you know, true. Right yeah, now, absolutely. you may just fail a quiz, right. or you might get caught cheating on a test. Yeah, but when you might 20- not. Or you might not, which is even worse. Which is right? even worse. The consequences you know that, will only get greater. That's a big part. So I get to do a little bit of discipline as well. And I tell the kids, here's the deal. If I didn't love you, I wouldn't discipline you. Right. Yeah. Because I wouldn't care. But the discipline that comes now, right, is to produce in you the character that means that eventually, right, you don't have to be disciplined because yeah. you're, you're walking in the right path. You're making the right choices. But, but the reality of it is, is, yeah, if you don't get disciplined, right, if you're David with, you know, Adonijah and he's like, you know, the kid, he didn't discipline at all. It's like, yeah, turned out to be a complete failure. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so or if you're like Jason and you've never in this, in this story, you've yes, never been disciplined. Exactly. You're up to this point. You're expecting to inherit a ton of money yep. and now you're having to Wait, work which for is, it. The, the very first part of the book is breakfast actually yeah. at Gus's huh. where he sleeps in late, comes Doesn't down here and, right, and, and yeah. it says, right, Hey, do we have breakfast? And Gus is like, yeah, we do, but you've already missed it. So. Don't yeah, and, yeah, yeah. That you was, don't get disciplined if you stay it's disciplined. It's so interesting Amen. to read this for, or just to watch a grown adult because I assume mm-hmm. like Jason's thirty, right? Yeah, in his yeah, life, yeah, yeah. He's, he's he's a man at this point, and now <laughs> he, he has be. to he really relearn learn all he's this stuff. And he's like, "Yo, like you're being treated like a child because you need to be treated yes. like a child, yes. and none of the privileges that you've been showered with your entire life are going to do anything for you." Yeah. Right. Um, and it's also interesting kind of looking forward that when he actually does get his inheritance, um, we'll talk about what that is later, but he's not looking for anything for himself because he has everything he need practically. Yep. He's like, yo, like the gift I got was my character's been invested exactly. into. And so going through yep. all of this helps him. He's like, ah, uh, it's not about what I can get. It's about how I can most – put value in every aspect of my life done it's so it's, good it's yeah. Yeah, so good really so that's powerful. yeah that's chapter three the gift of work um chapter four right he moves on then to <laughs> the gift of money there which is go. actually kind of interesting right because in, in a sense you're assuming um that you know red has a bunch of money and so he's going to teach jason how to use money um by giving him money 
Um, and it's a, it's a fascinating little thing. He actually kind of plays on that. And I've done this with people before. Um, and that is um, take money and invest it into other things um, and watch the power of money right, in building that relationship mm. and that connection mm. to other people. And yeah. so uh, in the book, basically, he, he, he does that, right? He goes out and he gives money to help people. Um, and he comes back after the 30 days and he gives his report. And it's amazing um, that at the end of the 30 days, one of the things that happens is he actually ends up giving away more money than he was yeah. given. And they're like, wait a second, you know, we, we only gave you like 1500 bucks. You gave away 1800 And he's like, yeah, well, I invested a little bit of money of my own. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So therein lies the concept of saying, hey, like this is important uh, and I'm willing to invest in it. So I'm not mm-hmm. just taking your money that you gave me, right, but I'm taking my own, right? What did you guys think of chapter chapter four in the book? Yeah, I think the biggest takeaway for me is I think he learned the idea that um, oftentimes money will be able to solve a short-term problem. Yep. But it will never purchase happiness. There you go. And so that's the biggest thing for me. Uh, now, some people might say that more money is more problems, <laughs> but I think it solves short-term problems. But it will never buy happiness. Yeah. And so I think so many people. It's easy to say when we have the problems in our face of man, I just really need to make the rent this month, and yeah. I just really need yeah. to do this. Um, but I think Satan could work in our lives in that way that we don't see the future blessing God could have for us. Uh, if we push through and have that work ethic we learned in, in the first gift, but uh, money could get in the way of that, but it will never purchase happiness. Yeah. And I believe that's found in the Lord, but also in these character traits that he's being built. True, true. That's good. And I, I think uh, one of the things that I enjoyed, if I remember correctly, uh, that the $1,500 that he was given mm-hmm. was essentially his wages that he would have been paid on the farm. That's right. That's right. Uh, yeah. And so For it, the work that he did it, that last month. Yeah. Yep. And so it kind of paints this picture of like, hey, you worked all that hard yep. and you, th- you probably think you are privileged to a lot more money than that. Yeah. Um, but the reality is whenever we work, we earn a specific wage uh, and it is helpful for uh, Mr. Stevens, Jason's to see in this how far his money goes yep. uh, or how short his money goes, right? right? Like it, like True. that $1,500 uh, is is not going to get him very far whenever whenever we think of money. So the happiness that you can buy with a month a month's worth of labor is um, not a whole lot, right? Yeah. Uh, and so I think that is something that, that really sticks out. Uh, but then also uh, the, the point of like how the, the people that he saw the opportunities, if we have an open eye, uh, we see, and if we have a sensitive heart, we have an opportunity to love people who, uh, who are in that immediate need, right? And so we see uh, in there the, the Boy Scouts or specifically in the movie, there is a family that is missing rent. Uh, and he's able to meet a need that he never would have been able to see if he wasn't looking. Exactly. Uh, and so if he wasn't yep. looking, he could spend his millions and millions of dollars because his gra- his great uncle was super wealthy and never realized the value of a dollar uh, mm-hmm. or ever see anyone who needs help. Yeah. And so those were two things that really stuck out. I brought in a, um, a guy who used to be homeless to talk to our students one time. And he said a line that will stick with me uh, forever. He said, um, being wealthy, you can avoid noticing people who are poor. Mm. He said, but if you're poor, you can never avoid avoid noticing people who are wealthy mm. because the wealthy world is always around you, yeah. right? I mean, you turn on the TV, right? And, and no, nobody's you know interviewing poor people. Hey, what did you do today, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, it's lifestyles of the rich and famous, right? It's you know people who, people who are influencers are people who are wealthy and significant, right? right. Well, if you're poor living in this country, right? It's like, oh my goodness, I, you know, that's what you always aspire to, right? Is to get wealth. And I think one of the interesting things is this lesson teaches him not about getting wealth, but like what, what actually money can do mm-hmm. and, and the power 
um, the stewardship principle, right, that money is a tool and you should use it to do something with. And I see so many people who use money in a, in a, sentence, uh, in a frivolous way. Right. It's just it's buying something bigger, faster, stronger, whatever mm-hmm. than, than what you could have done. Right. With less money. Um, and it's not an investment in something that's actually going to be eternal or in people. Right. And I think that's that's a really unfortunate one of my favorite people. Um, I'll throw her name out um, is June Hunt. Um, and she comes from the Hunt family. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. Which has yeah. tons of money. Right. Um, catch up. Um, it's, the Kansas 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 City Chiefs. Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, it's the Kansas City Chiefs. It's FC the, Dallas, the Hunt family. Yes. Sorry. Well, June I, is I apologize, is, Hunt family. That's right. It, it's one of those, right? There's there's several different, but June, um, she'll she'll say that uh, you know she has the the Hope Center over here in Plano and mm. an incredible ministry, but all of her money, right, and the, the wealth that she's being able to amass always goes towards ministry. And she, she'll always say, right, there's plenty of hunts who have their names on things, which is great, which is fine. You want to own, you know, the Kansas City Chiefs, great. You want to build a hospital, awesome. But as a believer, she's like, I want to put my money towards kingdom things. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And I think yeah. that's just right. As, as believers, when God gives us resources, right, that's one of the things we always should be taking into consideration is what's the eternal right, return on my investment? And I know everybody's like, hey, what's your in- return on investment? And I'm always like, hey, if it's always – if the only return on investment you get is three years, five years, ten years down the road, yeah. maybe you need to be thinking longer term. Right. Absolutely. Yeah, isn't that rule number one of building wealth is investing in things – that outlive you? Um, yeah, right? And have a net <laughs> how about return. Etern- how about eternity? <laughs> yeah. Come yeah. on. Change yeah. lives. Um, I, so as I was reading this book, I really wanted to take the perspective of someone – because, you know, it's really easy to start judging Jason Stevens. Sure. He's like, sure. look at this the silver spoon. He's like, I, ugh, I can't stand you people. <laughs> but then it's like, oh, you know what? Let's maybe put ourselves in that perspective and try and see things from where he's coming from. Because he's not a bad person. He's just never gotten these lessons. He hasn't learned it. And so I'm thinking, okay, so let's say that it was me who was given $1,500. Oh, yeah, I'd love to give that away. I'd love to be able to find areas. But then even as I was going through that mental um, just exercise, I realized that – Ooh, when we get to the end, I'm not sure I'd put in my own $300 to finish that up. And I was like, there's some selfishness even there that, no, I don't have millions of dollars at my disposal, but the little I have, if I'm not willing to be generous with that, if I don't really see the value, just because I don't have as much money as that guy doesn't mean it can't be as powerful yeah. Yeah. and it can't be as – and so I – you know, we had a worship night last week, and I was like, you know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna tip these. Um, it was at a local coffee shop, so yeah. not church or whatnot. It was you know at a a different location, but it's like I'm gonna tip these guys who are staying late for their shifts out mm. of my own pocket mm. because. I want to personally invest in this because I see it as important. Um, A lot of what we do here at the church is reimbursable. And so that kind of makes ministry easy. It's like, okay, no sweat off my back. Not only that, I'm getting paid to do this because they're going to give me all my money back. But doing something where you know you're not going to get anything back from it, it changes your relationship to it. And so I thought, I mean, it changed. It impacted me just because I want what I do to have that type of impact for whoever I'm doing ministry with or for. I had had a really good friend who used to be in the food service industry, right? You know, was a waiter at a local restaurant, grew up here in Dallas. And he said the worst day to work was always Sunday, right? Mm. Because the people would leave church, right? Come there, be super demanding, leave terrible tips. 
And I was just like, that should be the opposite yeah, for a Christian. Yes. Absolutely. Right? Not that not that you can't, you know, go to a restaurant and order food and expect the food that you ordered to be there, right? I mean, you know, we, right, whatever. But the, just the, the, the impact of saying the person that I'm interacting with, right, is an eternal soul. Yeah. So, so is the food more important, right, or is the soul more important? Absolutely. And I think you always have to lean towards the soul. Right. So if they do something wrong, just, hey, you know what? Uh, I ordered something different, you know, no big deal. But if you could, right. But then the graciousness of the tip at the end, and I know in our culture today, people freak out. And my thing is always like, listen, if you don't want to put a 20% tip down, don't go out to eat. Can't afford to go. <laughs> no, seriously. Just, no, that, just don't like, go. Right. I mean, Chick-fil-A, you don't have to tip at. Right. So go through, you can't on Sunday, obviously. <laughs> right. But, but go to places that then don't tip. But if you're going to go to a place, mm-hmm. right, that a tip is part of, right, what a person's expecting, right, then I would say be generous in your tip. Yeah. Right. Be gracious in that. And so I love this one um, on the value of money. Super important. Um, you know, just, just learning that, right. Good stewardship, right. Generosity. All those things were kind of rolled in there. Um, chapter five, the gift of friends. Um, um, at the beginning of each chapter, they kind of have a little, you know, synopsis or whatever that kind of gives you this, this one I loved. Yeah. Um, it says, um, it is a wealthy person indeed who calculates riches, not in gold, but in friends. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is a super, super important one, um, for our family, um, because I don't allow my kids to use the word friends for people that they play sports with or go to school with, right? Mm-hmm. If you go to school with my kids, they're called, um, classmates, right? If you play sports with my kids, you're called teammates, Friends is a word that I've tried to hmm. teach my kids, right, are people that um, have your best interest in mind, um, are willing to say hard things and truthful things to you, um, and in a sense, right, are willing to make a sacrifice for you if, if necessary, right? Yeah. And um, I took it from, it's actually a George Washington quote. Um, it's kind of long, right? It says, be courteous to all, but intimate with few, um, and let those few be well tried before you give them your confidence. True friendship is a plant of slow growth, and must undergo and withstand the shocks of adversity before it is entitled to the appellation or the name friend. Mm-hmm. So before you give a person the word friend, right, in a sense, they have to earn it. Um, and that's always been a big thing for me as a young person growing up, right? People threw around the word friend and best friend and all those different things. And then all of a sudden you realize that that's not a friend. Yeah. They don't have your best interest mm-hmm. in mind. Right. Um, so I loved this particular chapter. Um, he was supposed to go out um, and um, – Find a friend, right, um, is, is how this one went. Um, they tell the story about how Red Stevens, you know, who's the older man who passed away, actually got a kidney from, um, you know, Theodore uh, Hamilton, his attorney, and just what friendship looks like. Um, and so um, it's a it's – a, he, he ends up telling the story then um, about um, Red Steve. I put this down – Red Stevens and Gus Caldwell – how each one of them kind of built up their relationship. So yeah. interesting chapter, um, just about the value of friends. Did you guys mm. get anything that you thought was important or significant out of that one? Yeah, absolutely. I think that was a good point on finding friends and selecting them carefully. Mm. Of what you just mentioned, that's really good. I think for me, uh, what I took away is the necessity yeah. of friends. I think Community. so many, yes, so important. So many men, I think, think it's noble to claim they have no need of friends. Oh, well, yeah. yeah. You know, um, yeah. it's like, oh, I'm good. I can handle it on my own. Mm. But we're not meant to live life in a silo. Well, I'll say this. Um, I, I read this the other day. I can't remember who wrote it. So they're, they're dead, by the way. So I don't necessarily have to give credit to them. Mm. <laughs> um, but it says um, sin grows in isolation. Yeah. yeah. And I think, I think that's a reality, right? Sin grows in the darkness. Sin grows in isolation. It's a weed. Right, it's the only thing that grows without work. Oh, <laughs> right, yeah. are weeds, and so friendship takes work. 
right? does. Um, I've tried to teach my boys the other thing too is if you don't have a friend, you can always be a friend, mm-hmm. right? And that's how friendships grow. And so if somebody's not willing to be a friend to you, it's like, well, you, but you can be a friend to them, mm-hmm. right? And that's how community grows on that standpoint. Yeah, absolutely. And I think um, one scripture that did come to mind about this is that you know we do have. We need to be completed as men. So the verse 2 Timothy 3.16 is really popular, talking about God's word and the value of it. Mm-hmm. It's capable to do all mm-hmm. these things. But 17 is my favorite in that passage where it says that God's word uh, completes, so the man of God may be complete, complete equipped for every good work. Does. So yep. we ought to view that as completing who we are. Yeah. So we're started as men, and our essence is incomplete. So we need God's word, but I think we need people and selecting that is very important. I learned this from Jordan. I hope I didn't steal what you had thought of already, but he, he shared with me that friends are forged and not found. And it's like friendships that. take work, you know, especially after yes. college and for young, for guys listening that are in that stage out of college, it can be very lonely. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm passionate yeah. about that because in college you live with your friends, your community is very small. When you graduate and find a job out of college, it takes work. Yep. Just like any other relationship. And so um, just because it's easy doesn't mean it's not good. Yeah. Or just because it's hard doesn't mean it's not good and for honestly, you. And honestly, I think social media has ruined the word friend, unfortunately. Oh, yeah. Right? Because, you know, you get on Facebook, how many friends do you have? And it's just like, those aren't friends. 4,000. Right? <laughs> <laughs> no, you don't. No, those are acquaintances, <laughs> which is fine. You've it's got gr- three. It's great to have that, right? Yeah, it's great yeah. to have thousands of people that you've known over the years. But, right, friends are things that really can be counted on one or two hands, mm-hmm. right? And, and I think that's an important reminder um, you know, to a young person, it's like, listen, if you don't have friends, you need to grow some friends. You need to work on some friends, right? But also don't think, you know, hey, I got a thousand friends. No, you don't, mm. right? There, there's not a thousand people at two o'clock in the morning you're calling up when you say, hey, I got a problem, right? Who, who are you calling? Yeah. Okay, those are your friends. Absolutely. Yep. So. I love it. I think the from this section, the thing about friends that really stood out uh, was that it was beneficial for both parties, mm. right? Yeah. Uh, and so there are relationships where there are people that I would say I'm acquaintances with, uh, and because of that, I'm willing to do certain things for them. And there's sure. sometimes whenever it's draining for me to be in a friendship with that person. Yep. Yep. Uh, but uh, he says like the specific thing with friendship is that it's beneficial for both parties. So it's uplifting to both. Yes. Uh, and so you can't be the person that is always asking and you can't be the person that's always giving. Yeah. You have to find a group of people that are mutually willing to lift one another up so that uh, we can have this friendship where we're able to call one another to a higher standard mm-hmm. and we're able to call one another whenever we need help. Yeah. Um, and so it's, it's the both and. Yeah. Super. And a lot of times friendships are seasonal. Um, we weren't Due meant to proximity, to be- right? Well, I mean, with that's, school, a, with teams. that's a yeah. huge thing yeah. because just because you're friends with them in this season does not mean you just automatically need to be friends with them for the rest of your life. I, when I was single, I had a bunch of girlfriends and they weren't bad. Like we, we do life together yeah. and, um, look, there weren't any, you know, lines being crossed. But when I got married, those friendships had to change. Yeah. That's part of moving into a new season and growing up. Yeah. Um, and so says, it's not, says, says Ruthie. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah but but i think who's that, that uh-huh. it, is, it is still important to have a couple that probably weather those storms right like i think you oh for sure that, absolutely yeah that you you could see a thre- a, yeah. a strain absolutely. especially as you graduate high school as you graduate college there's gonna start you're gonna start seeing hey you're running a race and you're seeing a couple of guys well, that are running alongside well, but, of you but that's good though because you mentioned um i remember a young guy um that I was kind of mentoring, right, got married um, and was very connected to all of his college friends. And they considered his wife, because he was the first one to get married, right, a problem to their friendship. 
And I told them, I said, hey, you got to get new friends. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Because if they don't see her as you should see her as a value and somebody that makes you better, if they see her as, a, oh, you know, she's the reason you can't hang out with us. I was like, here's the deal. You should be picking her over them every single time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. But they should you should have good friends that that, you know, now that you're married. Yeah. OK, the friendship changes a little bit. But if they're not willing to change, I was like, you need to get new friends. Yeah. Yeah. Now, what eventually happened is he got divorced. Mm. He literally picked his friends and the fun of college over maturing into manhood and being married. And it's, yeah. it's a very, right. So the same thing, right? And you should you had, find the friends. Like whenever I, I remember distinctly when getting depressed and what I would, uh, I would feel a little guilty because someone would ask me to hang out and I'd be like, Hey, no, like I, I have a date night with my wife. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there's something within me that was like, no, like I know going out on this date is correct, yep. but there's a part of me that albeit not good, that wants to hang out with these people. Uh, and I was surprised time and time again, that those guys uh, who I would still say are friends today were championing that. That's right. Hey, That's thank you so much for, That's right. uh, for choosing your marriage first. It's encouraging to me. And now I'm going to put a date night on my calendar Dude, because of awesome. that. And so those are the type of people that you need to surround yourself with. Mm-hmm. And those are indicators on who are going to be my lifelong friends yeah. Yeah, and right. who do I need to kind of relegate to like my high school friends. Yep. I see them a couple times yep. a year at this point. And that's perfect. <laughs> that's that's where we need yeah. to be because you have, they're you in can the, have influence, right? Absolutely. But they're not, and, they're not friends. Mm-hmm. That's good. That's they're good. not who I'm spending the lion's share of my time with. Well, that, that was um, episode one. Right, made it through the first five chapters of the book. I would say if you haven't read the book, um, go get the book so that you can kind of follow along with us and, and pick up next week. We'll go through the next three chapters. Um, and uh, and Jordan would tell you that um, the movie is a great date night movie. Mm, Jordan, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Very family friendly. It is family friendly, and it does teach a couple of good principles. Yeah. So go watch the movie as well. So appreciate you guys and uh, your time Thank on the you. first episode. Thank you for listening to Training for Manhood. If you found the conversation to be valuable, make sure to rate us where you listen to podcasts. Also, check out additional content on our website, trainingformanhood.com. That's training the number four manhood.com. Until next time, in the words of King David. Be strong and show yourself a man.